Welcome to the Fitness Candor Podcast. Your host, Eric Feigl, will be bringing you the truth about exercise and the fitness industry. You'll hear from fitness professionals, exercise science professors and researchers, fitness industry entrepreneurs and leaders, as well as people who simply love to talk shop. Stick around after the show to learn how you can get your topic in an upcoming episode. Enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Fitness Canner Podcast. Tyler Hobson joins us today. Tyler is the founder and president of Pendulum Strength Training Solutions. He's also the market development manager at Rogers Athletic Company. Um, his experiences in education and competitive powerlifting drove him to create what is now known as Pendulum, some of the best strength conditioning equipment in the business. So, Tyler, thanks for joining us today, man. I appreciate it. I love it. I really appreciate you having me on there. Oh, it's 100% my pleasure. I, I promise. Um, the last time you and I spoke, which I guess was about a month ago, it was one of those those rare opportunities that I, I get on a phone call with somebody to kind of, it's almost like a vetting process, you know, make sure the person is a good fit for the podcast, make sure they, you know, they have an okay uh, feel for me. And then we kind of just figure out what we're going to talk about. But we spent what? It was over 45 minutes and they should have been the podcast. I, I, I kicked myself <laughs> in the butt. I'm like, I should have just pressed record. But um, anyway, I'm, I'm glad to have you back. So for the people who, who don't know, could you share a little bit more about yourself and how you got into strength and conditioning? Absolutely. I, uh, I got into strength and conditioning completely backwards. So uh, it's kind of a funny thing. I was uh, you know, I was a competitive power lifter. I was uh, really fascinated with what Arthur Jones was doing and, and Mike Mentor and all those guys um, that, that made a lot of sense to me at the time. And uh, I, I was creating my own tools for powerlifting selfishly because I trained by myself. And uh, as I got more and more into the uh, high intensity training to failure kind of a model, um, I started designing equipment that would be a little bit safer uh, just for me so that if I got stuck underneath something, I could get out or I could just take things to another level that you normally can't do by yourself. Right. And uh, and then I just kind of branched out from there. People saw what I was doing and they're like, yeah, holy smokes, that's pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> could you make me one? You know, that's kind of really how it all started. So tell so what what part of like the Arthur Jones the the Mike Metzer, you know I know for, I know a lot of people that listen to the podcast are definitely familiar with those names but what what kind of attracted you to that high intensity training model? I think what attracted me is you know the whole the whole philosophy was so simple it was like you know you can you can train hard or you can train long, but you can't train hard for very long and right. uh, I think people people started to confuse what high intensity was, you know, was super slow high intensity was, uh, you know, was going to, to maximum failure in one set high intensity. And it just kind of got really confusing. And then uh, I forget who was it that said, well, what do you train low intensity? You know, I mean, it, everybody trains hard. Um, but, you know, it's about how do you maximize efficiency in a weight room? And uh, even though a lot of people you know, train with increased volume, they're still training intensely. So the expression is now 
become rather confusing. Um, when you do a one max lift, that's, that's intense. Uh, when right. you're, when you're squatting with 700 pounds on your back and you go down and you don't sure if you're going to come back up, that's intense. Right. So, um, you know, there's, there's a little bit of confusion in that, but what I find is, you know, training clients and things like that, I want to take them to momentary muscular failure and I want to do it in a safe manner. And when their form gets sloppy, I take them to the edge and we're done. Yeah. And there's, there's no sense keep going and going and going. Uh, we're not, I'm not training people to become marathon athletes or anything like that, but I just try to make them strong, healthy and productive in whatever they're trying to do. Yep. And that's just when people, people say like, you know, Hey, what are you training for? It's like, man, I know it sounds silly, but I mean, aren't we all kind of training to, for longevity, you know, for, for just life? Like I want to be able to do this when I'm in my, my 60s, 70s and 80s. I want to be able to, to train and keep it simple and smart and safe. And that's kind of the whole philosophy and the branch of like what I think high intensity uh, started with. And then now it's kind of, I don't want to say diluted, but um, you get all sorts of variations now when you say, because um, people will abbreviate and just say HIT training but it's high intensity interval training. And so that's kind of a, like a mixed, you know, message too. But um, yeah, I'm all on board with everything you said there. And I think most people that listen to the podcast kind of are, are familiar with that. Your, your competitive powerlifting career, um, what made you kind of, how long did you powerlift for? And, and what did you stick with it for a very long time? What was the transition phase? When I was uh, when I was in high school, I got to be one of three people that were allowed to take an independent study of Olympic weightlifting, and uh, I just had a great mentor and coach. I I absolutely loved it. Um, I saw changes really quick in me, and I I was really obsessed with the whole mastering the technique. That was uh, that was the thing. And, uh, it was, it was not being good at something and then working at it and working at it. And then all of a sudden, you know, you, the light comes on and you get it and then you start getting better and better and better. And, mm-hmm. um, I really enjoyed that. And then, uh, when I, uh, when I became older as a young man in my, in my late twenties, uh, I met some powerlifting people and, uh, you know, obviously I, I exercised, I worked out, I trained high intensity and I, I looked like somebody who lifts weights and people were like, you should come out and lift with us. And I'm like, ah, how much do you lift? <laughs> you know? And they're like, they're like, well, that's kind of arrogant of you. You know? And uh, I was like, I was like, what? And they're like, you only want to lift with us if you can lift more than us. And I'm like, you know what? You're absolutely right. That, that was, that that's that's on me and so i went out there and i just got immersed in the powerlifting community because they were all great people they were willing to help you and they just absorbed me into it and i made friends with some of the world's strongest men and they were like it was it was fantastic and uh i just i just loved the people in the community of powerlifting which was i've never experienced that before now had I known what that was going to do to my body, <laughs> I, probably, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I probably wouldn't have done that for so long. But uh, I, I had some success in it and I enjoyed it. But uh, more than the pounds I lifted, it, it was all about the friends that I made for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like but, people uh, who were in those kind of similar situations, like even 
um, you know, college, high school, um, professional athletes, when they talk about, especially ones that take a beating on their body and they look back, they're like, well, would you, knowing what you know now, mm-hmm. would you do it all over again? And most of the time they say, yep, 100%. And it's not because of like the accolades, it's because of the bond. And I think, um, I think that, that like that transcends like all of, of like weightlifting in general. You know, if you talk to somebody who, who works out at your local gym, you have that in common. That's like a bond. If you have somebody who, you know, like a high intensity uh, trainer or someone who lifts that particular style you do, that's a bond because you know what it takes to be successful in something like that. I think that's really unique. Oh, there is no doubt about it. I, I've gotten to be quite involved in some of the people in the bodybuilding community and, uh, you know, my wife and I would talk and I, she would look at me and she'd go, okay, now I can see why you chose powerlifting. <laughs> right. I, I, I don't have the discipline that and, and the rigor that they, they do, um, but I respect them. And it's, it was different from what I was doing, but I respect their art and their craft and um, the same as the people that are doing CrossFit. I, res- I uh, Hey, if that's what you like and it's getting you where you need to be and that's what you want to do, um, that's great. Now, I will say when you look at bodybuilding, powerlifting, uh, CrossFit, all of these different skills, that is what they are. And uh, for general fitness, um, that's where I'm like, okay, how can I bring somebody on board in a safe training environment? That's where Pendulum started to come in. Whether it was me powerlifting or whether I was training a stay-at-home mom or some accounting executive, I knew that I couldn't train those guys to master an Olympic lifting skill and right. be productive when he can only give me 20 minutes two times a week. Right. Um, so by, by reducing the skill needed to perform the exercise combined with appropriate strength curves, I could achieve a very high rate of success for him without having to put his body at risk because he couldn't perfect the lifting technique. That makes total sense. So tell us a little bit more about that. What was the, the first uh, device that you thought was the most important um, pendulum product or device that you, that you used on yourself and then someone else? I think the very, the very first pendulum piece was uh, a multi-station machine that I used just because I, I, I did not like training in the gym. Uh, it was such a distraction. So uh, I created a multi-station um, machine and it was the pendulum multi-station and it was actually in conjunction with Mike Mentor and his IART uh, heavy duty training protocol yep. um, so he gave me a training protocol that he wanted to fall, follow there was a, a, a gentleman named Brian Johnson up in Canada they, those two worked together and they just told me what they were looking for and uh so I started adapting their protocols to a, a multi-station machine. And on that machine was the pendulum squat. So it was just part of it. Was, it, it probably had six or seven different stations. And so uh, we, uh, we developed that and people were like, hey, you think you could just make that squat machine for me? And... I thought, well, uh, I could, but who wants just one machine when you can have, you know, five? And they're like, no, I just want that. 
And that machine really was the impetus for Pendulum because that started it all. We went from the the squat machine, and then once that got out, people started to know me as the little, I don't know, the little shoemaker of iron, I guess. <laughs> and they would they would they'd call me up and they're like, hey, what do you got for this? And I'm like, I don't know. Let me see. You know, and I would just start making things, and it just kind of just started snowballing. You just kind of just kind of tinkered with things and f- figured out what was right, what was wrong. Um, how long does how long does something that like that take? If you're you're so you sit down, you've got this idea in your mind. I mean, you're an inventor of sorts. So, what does that process look like? Well, I, I usually start out by trying to duplicate the movement in space, um, whatever it is that the the coach huh. or trainer is looking for. Uh, I'm like, okay, I'm, I don't even worry about a strength curve. I'm just what is it that you're trying to do? If you're trying to do a pullover movement, you know, show me where ideally you want your arms. Show me, you know, the movement we're trying to capture. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll actually make like little 2D drawings of just a little, a little guy. And, uh, and then I start adding metal around him to, and matching the pivot points. Um, uh, I will find myself at the kitchen table with marshmallows and paper clips and, <laughs> Just just going crazy trying to duplicate all of this. And then I, I build my first prototype. And the first prototype doesn't have a strength curve on it at all. It's just a, sometimes they're out of wood, sometimes they're out of metal, but it just matches the movement. And then I start examining the muscle groups and the, and the leverage. Because um, you'll have leverage advantages because the body is, is a collection of levers anyway. So you have mm-hmm. to look at that and you look at gravitational pull and how is this affecting the weights? They get lighter as they rise, you know, so you start putting all those factors together. And then once you got that, then you just simply put on a perfect shrink curve and you're done. <laughs> so, so basically what I took of that is I just need marshmallows and toothpicks and that's pretty much it. That's, that's pretty much it. <laughs> <laughs> so when you say strength curves, I don't know if um, many people out there just who are you know, general fitness enthusiasts would even know what that means because based on today's standards, there are certain machines that would have a, a higher strength curve versus than others. And when you say that to people, they're like, well, what are you talking about? So can you, can you describe that and, and why that's so important? Well, yeah, I, I, I think just simplifying it as much as I can. And I would first yeah. qualify, qualify this with there is no such thing as a perfect strength curve for a general population. Sure. There is a good strength curve that fits a general population. I can make a perfect strength curve for me and or you, but as soon as I change the dimension of the athlete, that strength curve just changed because the levers just changed. So um, we have to keep all those things in mind and we just look for something that's really good. And, uh, but the, the human body is a bunch of levers and uh, muscles when they contract and, and stretch, they have different, different forces that they can apply. So we look for something that, that feels very consistent throughout the range of movement. Okay. And that's the full range of movement. So, um, th- th- this is affected by so many different things. And I, I've, I've been blessed to know people that were 
you know, Kim Woods, uh, I, I've known him and he's talked to me and we've, we've gone back and forth over things. And I realized that, you know, Gary Jones was so right in some of the things that he did. And I have so much respect for these people, but you realize it's just speed of movement changes the strength curve. Yeah. So now you're looking at a machine you thought was so perfect. And then you get somebody on there and he doesn't train like you. And you're like, well, that's not how you're supposed to do it. <laughs> so, you know, these are, these are all these things when you're dealing with a huge general population, it changes the design modality so dramatically. It, it just blows your mind. Uh, I was always, uh, people uh, that were in high intensity were really attracted to what I was doing. So my protocol was much slower movement. Mm -hmm. When you look at college athletics now, guess what it is? Explosive movements. Yeah. Quote unquote explosive. So, so yeah, so they're, they're like firing into the thing so hard and uh, that's what they're doing. So am I right in telling them you're training wrong or do I adapt a machine to fit their needs? And so what I chose to do is adapt machines that are a middle ground. It, it's got a great strength curve. You can train on it slow or fast if that's what you choose. And I try to just remove as much danger out of it as I can. So you brought up my, my kind of next topic, and I wasn't exactly sure how I was going to fit it in, but you brought up college athletics and, um, and their, their strength training. First of all, I, I think uh, what you said about strength curves is – it's pretty simple to understand for most people. And you and I talked about how, you know, when you, you sit inside of a, a specific machine and you think, man, there's, and sure there are adjustments to, you know, like a leg extension comes to mind. Certain leg extensions, uh, you might only have one adjustment for a seat pad, but it would be nice to have like that adjustment for your back pad, adjustment for, um, for where the, the pad sits in your ankle. Those, all of those things have to be taken into consideration. And I think um, right. that's, you know, what, what you've, what you've talked about. So it fits more people. Of course, you're not gonna be able to fit every single person. You got a guy who's six foot four on like a, you know, on, on today's standard lat, lat pullover is going to be completely different than someone who is five ten. you know, and uh, right. using the, the exact same weight and the same, same cadence, the same pace is going to be completely different for that person. But um, so, so, you know, the productivity model for all those things, I'm sure when you're producing machines like that, it's, everything's taken into consideration as much as possible. Of course, there's not a one size fits all, but um, you, you brought up college athletics since, since your implementation of, of pendulum into your training protocols and people starting using them. Uh, how did it, how did it break into, into college athletics? Well, this is, this is really fascinating uh, because of what you previously, your previous statement, Okay, so here's what I found out. I'm trying to create the most perfect one machine, you know, that is like adjustable. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome. I can take a four foot girl and I can dial her in, or I can take a seven foot man and I can dial him in. And then all of a sudden, one more bubble gets popped because the coach is like, Tyler, I don't want to make all these dang adjustments. I ain't got time for that. Right. And I'm like, what do you mean? You got to, you got every, every person's unique, right? I got to fit them all in. And they're like, no, I don't have time. I, I got 70 people standing there looking at me. I'm trying to get them all through the workout. So then you're like faced with this unknown that is like, oh my gosh, you know, how do I, 
how do I do that? And uh, so you start creating things, obviously, uh, single joint movements or isolation movements are a little bit harder because they're very critical to where the pivot point is. Um, some machines take literally, I, I've created some machines in a matter of 24 hours. I've got a machine ready to go. Oh, wow. Some machines have, some machines have taken me three and four years and they're usually the ones that take the longest are the, um, like the lying leg curl. There are so many things going on on that machine. That machine took me at least five years to perfect. And it is uh, unbelievable. But in college athletics, that's where you're challenged because now hmm. you have the, the female gymnastic team out there training on the machine. You might have the men's lacrosse team or the basketball team on there. And they can't all have their own weight rooms. So this machine has to be adaptable to a huge differentiation in size. And uh, so that is the ultimate challenge. You know, the, uh, the basketball guys, they're not necessarily fit to squat like some of the football players are. Right. So we've got different machines that we can adapt to that kind of training. But in college athletics and even in high school athletics, what I see is the, the rise of machines, because I walk into a weight room, there, there's sometimes literally 50, 60 people in that weight room training at a time being supervised by sometimes three if they're lucky. Right. So I'm watching them train and uh, there's a two minute, sometimes a two minute timer going off. And these kids are going through the, the rituals and they're just moving on cadence. And if they're performing a rep that's a little bit sloppy, no one sees it. Uh, if they're doing something that is in poor form, no one sees it. But they're all working off of a chart, right? So the right. coach is like, well, Bobby, you didn't, you didn't get stronger this week. What the heck, you know? And the next week, uh, Bobby's trying. He didn't squat good the first week. He's cheated the first week. Now he's cheating the second week. Now he's really cheating. And then the, by week four, he blows his back out trying to cheat just so that he can still keep moving up. Right. And when you use a machine, and you, it's so much safer because even though it, it's, it's just so much harder to cheat and get your body into these positions that are so disadvantageous and you're going to you know hurt yourself and it it just it makes the coach's life so much easier to know i'm going to teach this guy how to chest press i can walk away he's not going to get crushed under the weight the bar's not going to slip out of his hands and fall on his throat because the spotter was looking at the girl next over to him we, we've just got a safe productive environment and that's when college athletics started to click to me to get into that. So that, that's really interesting. And, 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 the, and you know, the, everybody who's looked into college athletics have seen these just in monstrous weight rooms. If you, I guess if they're lucky to have a monstrous weight room, some of them are, look, are, are you know, working with like a broom closet. Um, and that's where the creativity comes in. But, uh, you know, you, you and I had a conversation about like the, the change in, in 
how people program for college athletics. And I, you know, I, I don't want to, I have a lot of strength coaches on the show. I don't want to, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to say anything bad about their programming, but I think you and I discussed how, you know, all, all athletes are, wait, how's the saying go? Oh, all Olympic lifters are athletes, but not our athletes are Olympic lifters. And there's this new shift of, of, uh, a trend that like the, the, the bigger weight you can have an athlete, you know, uh, clean and jerk is like the new standard I feel like for, for building explosive power. And so you and I kind of went back and forth and rapped about that a little bit. Are you, are you starting to see with the more use of your, of your machines, um, a, a lean to one way or the other, are people still leaning towards that, Olympic lifting style mode, or are they starting to get back into like, you know, a a true strength training principle, a little more safe controlled uh, Mm -hmm. motion? You know, what's really interesting is that I find that it's uh, really divided up into different sections of the country um, where there's, there's people even today that uh, where, you know, um, Arthur Jones was really strong and Nautilus was really strong and, and you saw uh, machines like the Ohio area, you go up into the Midwest. Uh, these people really embrace machines as tools. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then you see some of the other schools, they really embrace, you know, functional modalities and, and, and Olympic lifts as a tool. Uh, they're teaching, you know, body movements and things like that. And uh, with elite athletes, um, it, it all works you know, as long as it's safe and productive. Um, it's, it seems like today I see a really interesting division. I've got coaches that are monitoring resting heart rates while athletes sleep, how much right. they eat, how much, I mean, the technology that they embrace is unbelievable. I don't even know how they keep track of it. Oh. <laughs> and, and then I see, that same coach doing, um, you know, like log lifts. <laughs> so it's, uh, I think part of what they're doing is huh. just teaching a work ethic and they really, really embrace that. And, um, there's, a, there's a place for that. So they're teaching kids just how to embrace hard work and, uh, and they do it with, uh, you know, kind of in the trenches kind of training, but, once you show a coach, hey, this is a tool for you that is going to make your life easier, it's going to make your athletes stronger in a safer manner, um, I, I find that they really embrace it, the machines and the different ways of, to train the body. Yeah, yeah, well, and the different ways to train the body. You and I had started out a conversation talking about um, what happens when, when an athlete gets injured. What do you do then? And I think one of the most unique things was when you were talking about, I believe it was um, the pendulum hip press, I think. Uh, you had a coach come up to you and say, hey, I need another one of those machines. You're like, J- you know, just try this machine. And they kind of put up some resistance and they tried it. And their athletes were like, holy crap, this thing's awesome. And the guy's like, hey, I need, I need another one. I need another one. Is it, am I, am I, am I accurate? I can't remember that story verbatim. Oh, you're, you're 100% accurate. So, you know, I mean, a lot of people feel like, everybody has got to squat to be strong and right. there's no, there's no doubt. I mean, with my background in powerlifting, uh, 
you know, that was a skilled lift. That's what we did. But we would spend weeks, months, years perfecting how we squatted. And uh, there, there were some guys that were just amazing at that movement. If I make you squat a thousand pounds, is, am I going to make you a better football player? No. <laughs> there's no correlation. No, there's not. The strength coaches, the strength coaches know that. They, they know that now, but, they're, but they challenge you. I'm going to make your legs strong. I'm going to make you strong. I'm going to help you be more resistant to injuries, and these are the tools I have. Not everybody's got a pendulum squat machine or a, a pendulum hip press. When I show up on the scene, I'm like, hey, coach, if you, if you have a, somebody that's got a shoulder injury, how, how are we squatting? Right. Let me, let me give you a solution. Let me help you with this. Let me help you with that. When they start looking at different tool options in their toolbox, they're like, now I'm painting with colors instead of just black and white. <laughs> now I can, you know, it, it, it just opens their whole world. And it's not a bad thing. They just never, they never saw it. They never thought about it. And they're like, wow, this is, this is pretty cool. And not only that, I can take my player safely to another level. Yep that I couldn't take. I mean, you don't take somebody to complete failure with the squat. That's a recipe for disaster right there. Right. But on hip press, worst thing that can happen, he sets it down and he gets out of the machine. Right. Yeah. You're not scraping them off the floor. <laughs> no, we're, we're not. We're, don't, no, there's no ambulance there. <laughs> you know what I mean? But right. that's, that's the, that's the whole point of it is like, okay, you yeah. know what? I, I don't need to teach you how to squat. I can, I can smash your legs and take you to hypertrophy without having to do any of those things. So um, it just gives them another option. And I think what we do with the pendulum machines, we spend a little bit extra time with the machines so that the gains carry over to the free weight movement. I think that's one of the mm -hmm. things that most machine manufacturers, they don't really do. But, you know, like our, our machines are geared to selfishly increase my bench press increase increase my squat increase my deadlift uh in a safe environment so um that that's been proven time and time again how those machines cross over and that kind of makes the pendulum line a little bit unique yeah that's awesome and it's the 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 safety aspect um and there's no doubt that when when strength conditioning coaches are are training their athletes that that's their number one priority and why not have a tool um you know or a a toolbox of just the safest tools and practices you possibly can and i think that's one of the best things and how cool is it i mean we were just talking before we i press record that you're you're getting uh, photos and videos sent to you now of athletes and other people using your your products like you know during the training sessions that's got to be a great feeling yeah, it, it is. And, and like I shared with you, you know, um, you know, one of my goals is to come full circle. I mean, I've been in this for a long time now, and there's been a lot of people that helped me along the way. And so I, I want to do whatever I can to promote these programs and, and show people what's out there. And uh, we're, we're actually a tighter knit tribe than what we really believe. And I think we, we all need to band together and I don't have the right answers, but I'm very open-minded and every once in a while I'll see something and I'll be, that's cool. I never even thought you could do that. <laughs> you know. <laughs> right. And uh, 
<laughs> I see some crazy stuff and I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll try that. But, you know, really we're, we're all in the same community that is about helping each other to live healthier lives. And, and that's really what we're trying to get done here. And, uh, I mean, it, it, you're going to train somebody who is, you know, um, you know, a businessman who's just trying to stay healthy and trying to stay fit because he's got a bunch of little kids at home. Right. Versus somebody who's who's got to play at a level that we've never even competed at on Saturday. You know, it's it's just a different thing. But we're all really trying to do the same same thing and trying to be healthy and fit and improve the quality of our lives. So um, I, I want to help everybody. You kind of you actually gave me goosebumps because it's true. I mean, like <laughs> no, seriously, you it just we and you and I talked about this before, and I I don't want to you know keep beating you over the head with it, but just like the, it's such a cool time to be in the fitness industry. And sure, there's a bunch of, there's a bunch of downsides to it. You know, there's, there's Instagram trainers and there's the social media stuff. And there's, um, I, I rap a lot about CrossFit and all that kind of stuff. And there's, there's stuff that may take a negative seat to it. But even if you look at things like CrossFit, what it's done for the fitness industry is, has been outstanding. I mean, even if people try it, they don't like it. They're like, but I do know I need to continue to exercise. Fine. People who like it, great. They keep going with it. The point is like we, there's never been a boom like this before where there's been so many and, and granted there's been a lot of failures along the way too, but uh, without the failures, you, know, you, you can't have the successes that we're seeing now with, you know, companies like yours and companies like, you know, Rogers Athletic and um, small studios that I train in, the people that work there, all these people, like you said, all we're trying to do is just help each other. And I tell you what, man, whew, the, my job, because I get to help people get stronger and, li and, and live a better life on the outside of the gym like the moment that they, they, they share with me, they give to me to help them. That's powerful stuff, man. I mean, I, and I think, you know, equipment like yours and philosophies like, like uh, yours and what you guys are trying to do and people who really take it seriously and aren't out there just trying to beat the piss out of people just so they can say they made somebody sweat and they're, they're the toughest trainer on the block because they had their client do 50 burpees today. It's the people who are helping people live a more productive life day in and day out that, that uh, make this probably the best industry in the world <laughs> for real. I, I, I totally agree with you. And, uh, you know, I, I'll get a little bit up on a soapbox and just say, you know, the, the, the other big passion of mine and what I'm trying to immerse myself in is adaptive training. So these are things where, you know, when you take an elite athlete, I mean, we all know, I mean, I could, I could, follow Ray Lewis's protocol to a T, I would have never played football like him, right? I, I wouldn't have. Speak for yourself, I would have. I wouldn't have made the team. They would have been going, you go home. Okay, so, uh, we, I, I understand that. There's genetics, there's gifted people, and there's skilled athletes. And uh, But the other thing that I've, I've noticed since uh, 2010, I believe, when the ADA compliance came on board and all fitness industries are supposed to be ADA compliant, and uh, I, I go into gyms and I'm looking around and I'm like, so what do you have for Michelle in the wheelchair? What do you, right. what do you have for her? Nothing. So how, how are you ADA compliant? 
you know, and I, I don't make a lot. I have one machine that I'm working on to, to try to help with that. But, you know, those are the things where we're a big world and we need to embrace every aspect of strength and fitness. And, uh, you look at, uh, Eric McKay, who is working with a, uh, a gentleman that is recovering from a stroke and you see this big old man, you know, picking somebody up and helping him into a pool. I mean, I'm like, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. That is as, as practitioners, this is where you're changing, not just somebody's environment, you're changing their life. You're not giving them reps. You're, you're helping him transfer from a wheelchair. You're, you're changing his life. Literally, and yeah. uh, this is, this is, this is a passion of mine. And whether it's, uh, you know, you or me, I mean, these are opportunities that we have that are surrounding us. And um, whether it's, it's a mom who's got bad self-esteem or, you know, a, a dad that's, you know, now he's 40 years into his career and he's got herniated discs and he can't move. I mean, these are, these are things where they're not ever going to play football but you can get them back in the game and making them enjoy a little bit of life through what you're doing. And, and I know you're doing that. And I, I just, I think that's, that's as practitioners where we're at right now. I think so too. Yeah. Shout out to Eric McKay. He's done some really good stuff. Um, and I know he's a huge fan of, of pendulum also. <laughs> he can't, he can't stop posting about pendulum, but yeah, he's, <laughs> it's people like that, man. It's like the biggest hearted people. I mean, how, how easy is it, for a client or a trainer or, you know, a practitioner, like you said, just to say, you know what, I'm just going to take everybody who is, is already moderately healthy and just easy to deal with and running through a good solid workout and be done. And look, there are people who do that and they are needed. Like we need more people out there in the industry who, who have a heart and passion yes. for the job. Yes. But the type of person, yes. the type of person to take somebody who's had you know, multiple sclerosis and hip replacements and they're, they, they're missing a limb and they're like, well, there's no way I can get into the gym because I don't have, you know, all of my limbs or, you know, they, they, they have um, just hor- name, name the disease, the horrible diseases that they, that they, they think that they, they'll never be able to work out again or to get strong in general. And you've got people out there saying, no, you can and I'm willing, I'm able to show you how. And that's what makes this industry so powerful. And, uh, and you know, they, I don't even talk about that that much on, on the podcast. You know, I'm, I'm more talking about the people who work with everyday individuals, everyday, um, what we just call like desk jockeys. You know, they're, they're, they're just, they, they get up, they, they go to work, they sit down. We want to make them healthier, but we don't think about all the people who don't even have that advantage. Exactly, exactly. Let, let's face it. Yeah, Joe Rogan doesn't need me to help him lift weights. Uh, Dwayne Johnson, do you think he needs any tips or advice from me? I mean, look right. at the man. But <laughs> but these are the people that are everybody's like, wow, look at this guy. They're in amazing shape. I'm like, yeah. Uh, you know what? Uh, I just came back from the Paralyzed Veterans Summit. Wow. And it, it was powerful. And and I'm looking at these people, and they're thanking me for what I what I've done. I've done nothing. I'm just like made some metal, you know, I've done nothing. Even when I train them, I'm not doing anything. I'm just facilitating. They're doing everything. And, but, you know, not to diminish veterans. I, I think that it's very powerful, but when you got a half a million people in the United States with spinal cord injuries. Yeah. 
I, I, I mean, goodness gracious, can we all just take a take a breath here and go, let's reach out and let's, as practitioners, let's all take just one person on and go, you know what? I know you don't even like to exercise, but I'm going to be here to help you so that I can increase the quality of your life by helping you move from your wheelchair to a couch. You know, yeah. those are those are things that are to us we we don't we don't really think about because we don't have to deal with it but these are the these are the things that that strength trainers do on a daily basis and no one even knows about it yeah they do it all the time you know yeah it's that's it's such a it's such a unique opportunity and I've seen some of the stuff that um, you've been doing with the, the paralyzed veterans um, and, and the and machines that are being developed and the scope of practice that that's going to open up for people. And, uh, you know, people, I guess people don't really think about strength training as being an outlet, uh, you know, like, well, of course, vet, veterans need more than just exercise. Yes, we know that. They need a ton more. Like they, we need to, it needs to be a, a, a bigger issue. But you can't overlook someone who, who was, who at, at any age, but let's pick like someone in their prime, their mid twenties. And all of a sudden they, they can't walk anymore. They went from being the fittest sh- in the fittest shape they'll ever be in to now being confined to a wheelchair and, and in their minds thinking, I, I'm never going to be able to, to, to lift weights again, let alone walk, you know, what that must feel like, but then have the opportunity to continue to train themselves. That's an unbelievable opportunity. That's un, that's unreal to me. It, it's it's interesting. I one of my good friends, uh, he passed away a couple of years ago, and uh, he was uh, in a, a brilliant, brilliant accountant. Uh, he was an alpha dog, a little bit obnoxious. God rest his soul. I, lo- I loved him, but he was <laughs> an alpha male, a water skier. He was just like into everything. Well, he had MS. And uh, I slowly watched him struggle and, and decay and, oh, and eventually wow. die from that. But it was how society treated him. I mean, it was uh, shocking, you know, because as his body decayed and, and he struggled with speech and things like that, um, people thought his intellect had gone away and it hadn't. And that was very difficult um, for him. And, you know, there's there's just things like I say that as long as we keep moving and keep you know helping and keep pushing and keep exercising and reaching out to these people, we can we can change a human being's existence through the quality of life through movement. Yep. And uh, I mean, you know, you're doing it, and uh, I think all of us have little stories nobody wants to talk about you know uh look at eric mckay and what he's doing i'm like my goodness everybody wants to see the football player which i do too but then you got joe who is who's making a comeback he's not he's not just getting better he's going to be better than he ever was before yeah that's eric that's his life that's his life he's getting back yes and, and guess what? We're not talking about super slow, high intensity pr- progressions, periodization, or anything. We're talking about helping. Yeah. And that isn't that cool. 
That's awesome. I'm gonna have to when we when we jump off here. I'm gonna shoot him a message. Let him know we're talking about him. He's such a he's such a good dude. He's so like modest about that kind of thing too. You know, from what I can I don't know him that well, but from what I can tell about his posts and everything else, he's just. I mean, he's he's all about it. And we we need more of those. And I think it's starting to trend that way. It's hard. It is hard to find really good coaches, and it's even harder to find the ones that have you know bigger hearts and can and and are good coaches. And I think there's a um, you know, like you said earlier, it's, it's kind of a, a small club um, of people, but, uh, and hopefully I think, you know, messages like this, podcasts like this, uh, products like yours and people like Eric McKay, the more, the more we get th- these kind of things in front of people, the better the industry is going to be. I'm excited to see what it's going to be in 10 years. I know people, people always freak out about the future in the industry. Oh, it's, who knows what it's going to be like. Well, you don't know, but with conversations like this, with people like we're talking about, with products like you have, with podcasts like this, um, I don't know, man. It just seems positive to me. Well, uh, 10 years from now, I'm actually working on a machine that exercises for you. Perfect. That's (laughs) great. I think think that's fantastic. I think that everybody could need it. I want one in my house. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i've got it in its, its first prototype yeah i've like got a, a john deere tractor but it's coming that's perfect I've, I've got a i've got pills you can sell with that that'll melt pounds off you and put <laughs> six pack abs on you so this is great we can, can we <laughs> um, i love it no oh, this is great tyler i i appreciate you jumping on here man it's a lot of good information um i've got a notebook full of stuff that i'll add to the notes um, if people want to reach out to you if they have any questions comments concerns where's the best place to get a hold of you and, and learn more uh, they can they can go to Instagram. I think it's just Tyler J. Hobson on Instagram, and uh, I think my cell phone number's on there. I mean, I'm very accessible uh, unless I'm welding or lifting weights. So, uh, and then <laughs> awesome. if, if if I'm not doing that, uh, but leave a message and I'll call you back. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I love I love our our family of of trainers. I love what you guys do for the world, making people healthier stronger and uh you know whatever i can do to help you guys that's that's my purpose on earth i just make the tools for you guys to uh change the motors that's all i'm doing (laughs) well likewise tyler i think uh i think i speak for everybody that you know if it wasn't for people who actually gave a damn about the products that they build to help people like us you know I i don't know where we'd be so um so i i appreciate you and i appreciate your time and uh we'll talk to you very soon All right, my friend. Thank you so much. I really appreciate this opportunity. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you'd like to suggest a topic or be a part of the show, get in touch with Eric on any social media platform at Eric Feigl or email fcp at ericfeigl.com.